And now I've learned, no, you can be assertive without being unpleasant. And just the forethought of of thinking about how am I going to handle this problem so that both of us feel like, you know, both of us aren't going to agree. Never. You know, I mean, there might be something that is totally entrenched and you have a conflict, but you need to find your way out of that conflict to be productive, whether it's a, a boss and a subordinate or a teacher and a student. You know, there are all of these things that we need to teach our children so that when they go into the workforce, that they're able to save face, but they're also able to assert themselves and stand up for themselves. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. So today I'm excited to have Elizabeth West, CEO of EWC Consulting on the show. Right out of college, Elizabeth was hired as an admissions counselor at UNC Pembroke, where she began to see student stories come to life. Throughout her 25 years in higher education, working with students and helping them become successful continues to be the greatest joy of her career. Elizabeth has spent 10 years of her career counseling students as an admissions officer, associate director of admissions, and director of admissions, and 14 years teaching college students and working with them on how to become transfer students. Now, if you're thinking this show is just going to be for parents of high school or even middle school students, while Elizabeth will share some really pertinent information for parents of tweens and teens, we're also discussing some of the foundation that we can set as parents starting much earlier. So I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Erin. It's great to be here. So I would love if you could just start by telling us about what you do, how and why you got into this line of work. Well, it's always a circuitous route. Basically, I wanted to be a journalist in college, and that's where I thought I was going to go. And I couldn't find a job after graduation. The New York Times wasn't calling. So I was a tour guide in college. And I fell into admissions. It was a position in the newspaper. I applied for it and I got it. And so it's one of those things that, you know, it was meant to be when you look at it, uh, reflecting on it. But at the time I was like, what am I doing? So I was in admissions for 10 years, loved it, loved every minute of it. I wouldn't have left, but I had a baby and I didn't want to be away on evenings and weekends and have a little bit of workaholic tendencies. I do. So that's where I was like, oh, I, 
I just want to do something that's a little more flexible. So I taught at the community college for 14 years and I taught full-time English and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I also, during my office hours, was helping students with transfer admissions. I couldn't, I couldn't get admissions out of my brain. And I started my business because I just kept hearing people saying the wrong things about admissions. And I felt like people were not getting accurate information. So I started as a side hustle in 2019. And then in 2021, it just got too big. And so I needed to make a decision. And I went full time in my business. Oh, very nice. So I want to talk about setting sustainable habits. So for me, as a specialist in the field of psychology, like I understand human behavior, and I know how difficult it is for us to change our behavior once we have habits set in. And I know it's a lot easier for us to set positive habits from the beginning rather than trying to fix them later. And so what are these sustainable habits that parents can help set up for their kids for their success? You know, I really think that these habits start early. And one of them is time management. You know, really, it's not that you're a bad parent or that you're a mean parent to put your kids on like a social media diet, you know, or or even a technology diet where, and I, I'm not perfect. I have kids. I, I don't do this as well as I should, but I really do think setting that expectation that technology is there to support us, but it's not there to replace human interaction. And I think that that's really a number one thing that I've seen in the classroom and working with students is that when you have too much technology, then it sort of ruins the balance of soft skills, you know, and it it affects how you communicate with people, how you show empathy. All of these things that we need to interact as human beings kind of get stunted when there's too much attention to technology. That's my feeling. This is your area, but that's my feeling. (laughs) I know. I think that's great. So you feel like just limiting the social media so that they have time to practice these other skills that they are going to need for success in getting into college and the workplace and... Absolutely. You know, one habit is limiting that, but the other habit is sort of really thinking outside of the box. You know, you want to look at, okay, when we're talking about planning for college, I see so many students that say, I want to go to this school and this is the only school I want to look at and that's it. And so when you are young, when you're in elementary school, wouldn't it be great to start the habit of broadening your horizons, broadening your perspectives, not categorizing students as, oh, you're a little engineer or, oh, you're a little, you know, but really thinking about what do you love to do? Do you, do you love to draw? There's so much creativity in a number of different successful career pathways. I see so many students say, you know, I want to be an engineer, but I love to sing. And I said, why can't you do both? Why can't you? Because in engineering, you need to use that creative mind. You absolutely need to employ all of those skills that you use when you sing, when you paint, when you do all these wonderful things. Those are not 
exclusive to STEM related careers. You make so many great points. I don't know where to go with it all. First, I wanted to comment about the time management because I just think that's so important. I have three kids. And so one is excellent at time management. The other is very good at time management. And both of those kids get straight A's and I don't need to even intervene or do anything with them. And then I have a third child with ADHD and he struggles with, it's not that he doesn't understand the concepts, but he is really not good at being organized and staying on top of his assignments. And it just, I can remind him, I don't know how many times to go talk to his teacher about getting missing assignments in and Every time he like gets in the car, did you talk to Miss Molly today? No, I forgot. So I put him in a class this summer. His school is offering a class, a, a camp, and it's a week and it's three hours each morning. And I'm like, I know that you're not going to be excited when you hear about this, but you're going into this class and it is time management, planning. There's like four different concepts that they're going to cover. And I'm like, you need to get on top of this now right. because you're going to need this going forward. <laughs> oh, gosh, absolutely. I, you know, so my son is 17 and my daughter is 13. They both have ADHD and they're both on the spectrum and very high functioning. You know, nobody, God knows my son's like, don't say anything. But, you know, <laughs> like it's funny that those stories resonate with me because I sat down with him and taught him time management and it was like unlocking something in him. He's like, oh, I didn't realize I had so much time. So employing the strategies, he's working at a local grocery store now and he's doing sports and he's doing a number of things and maintaining really good grades. And I think it's that sort of executive functioning, which I am not an executive functioning coach, but I really need one. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's just organization and, and really appealing to their perspective. You know, it's not so hard to organize yourself. It's not so hard. We just employ some strategies. So I think that's fantastic. If I lived in your area, I would want my kids to go to that summer program. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Their school offers some great programs. And that was one he's like, Oh, really? And I'm like, No, you need it. Yeah. I'm like, once you can maintain your grades without it, great, you don't do it. But but it's those skills, just learning how to get organized, how to stay organized, and then implementing them and, and keeping that going. That's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. In their future for sure. So keeping him on track. And the other thing you were talking about was the creativity that you can use in any field and engineering being one of them. And it, it's so true that like in these types of fields of science and engineering, like the creativity is what helps problem solve. Like we need creative problem solving and you bring that creativity into it. And so the school also that my twins go to, one of the big key concepts they pull into every single class is design thinking and design learning so that they're bringing the design process into every single project and every single unit that they learn in, in class so they can learn to meld those things together. And so not limiting our kids, but letting them do everything they want to try, see where they shine and where they sparkle and how they can pull those things together. I remember when I was in college, I loved math. I thought math was amazing, but I wanted to be an architect. And I had somebody tell me, well, if you really love math so much, you should be an engineer. Well, I went for engineering, then I hated it. But at that point, it was kind of too late to switch because the school I went to didn't offer architecture. Why not go to architecture and take some extra math classes? Right. Absolutely. And and that's where students, especially young women, they come to me and they say, you know, I'm good in math and science. And I think you know, my dad and mom are telling me 
to be an engineer. And I, and I say, okay, well, what, let's talk about it, you know? And so we kind of get to know each other and and I get to understand them. And, and what this particular young lady said was, I really love art. And so I said, well, what about industrial design? You know, what about something that employs the technological, but it also employs the artistic and we need industrial designers. We need these people. There are other jobs that we haven't even fathomed yet that are going to be coming our way and they're going to need a wide variety of skill sets. So that's where I'm just, I try to tell my parents to have a little bit more of an open mind about careers because when you look at, I was an English major and I was a political science major and you know, that's like lawyer basically. And that's about it. And so, um, I really think that when you look at liberal arts programs, that they have as much potential, earning potential. I I, I don't want to say engineering because my husband is an engineer and he'll correct me. But I'm saying that I, I just think that there is a place for all of us and the skills and the time management and the soft skills, the ingenuity. I, I think that those open up a lot of doors. Those are some great points. You know, the jobs of the future, we don't even know what those are going to be or what those are going to look like. And I have been seeing more and more, like the more that we can integrate the full self into what we do, one, there's joy in it. So when we have joy in it, we bring so much more to it. But then, you know, we don't know like how integrating the whole self is going to be able to bring so much more to work. And when I look at companies like Apple or Tesla, or there's, you know, tons of other companies that really marry engineering with art and design and, you know, and really pulling so many areas of the brain together on ergonomics and how do we connect with whatever the phone or the iPad or the car or whatever, you know, they, they, both of those companies really kind of scrapped the model and started from the ground up about what do people want in, in this item. And so people who can pull that together is, is going to become more and more important, I think, in the future. Absolutely agree. And, you know, there's there's something to be said for loving what you do and having a heart for what you do. And I think that people will give more, whether it's give more to their students, to their colleagues, to their family. I mean, it exponentially grows the generosity factor when you're happy in what you do, where you feel like where you belong and you can't replace that with, well, I think you should go into finance because you'll earn more money. Well, yeah, but are they going to be happy? And I keep saying this to people and they must think like I'm Mary Poppins or something, which I would take as a compliment. But I'm thinking like happiness has, it's sort of an intangible commodity Like you need to be happy in your career in order to produce the work that we all need from people. And I, I just went to a chamber of commerce meeting this morning and I, you know, I said how much I love what I do and I would talk about it all day long. And this woman looked at me like, you do know you're weird. And I said, I said, I do, I do. And I'm so grateful because I'm so grateful I get this opportunity. But that's what I want students to have too. And I think that it's possible. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, and I love that you're, that you're doing that and helping parents see, hopefully open up a little more for their kids to have more options and possibilities to move into those areas that are exciting to them and, and speak to their soul. I want to talk about soft skills, such a great topic. I'm going to share a quick story about this. So the first time I talked about soft skills, or I heard about soft skills, I used to belong to a group, local businesses and the college, local community college, and they had a meeting once a month and they would bring us together. And I was nominated as like a startup entrepreneur to be part of this group. And the college wanted to know what do we need to teach students? What kind of classes do we need to create to teach students what they need to know to be successful in the business world today. And so we were there to kind of help them to do that. And then the college would talk about what it would take for them to create that and go through the state and get all that. One of the things that we had talked about so much was soft skills and how what businesses needed more than anything were people with these soft skills. They're like, we can teach people how to do all of the other stuff, all of the hard skills, how to run the machines, how to run the inventory, how to work on our software but we don't have the time or the energy or the expertise to be teaching people soft skills. So how do we bridge that? And this was, you know, what business people were talking about they needed in the workforce. So tell us about soft skills. Yeah, well, you know, it's probably the number one criticism of higher education today. You know, that people come out of college, and this is from employers, People come out of college and they can do the skill set needed for the career, but they can't sit down and interact at a dinner, at a business dinner, in conversations. They can't empathize with people. So, you know, these are major stumbling blocks, especially when you're dealing with customers and you're dealing with people above you and, oh my gosh, supervising people. Like soft skills are absolutely essential. And so when you talk about you can teach them this and you can't teach them that, it starts in elementary school. It starts in middle school. Even preschool, right? Some of these emotion skills. Yes. Where, you know, there's something to be said for participation and getting along. But I also think that there is a real art to managing conflict, to having these, you know, crucial conversations where you're at odds with someone and you're able to leave having the other person feel respected, feel heard. And this is something that, oh my goodness, especially post-COVID, we need more of, we need more sort of humanity in conflict. And I try to teach that to our students but also advocacy. You know, mom and dad are not going to be there forever. And you're going to have to stand up for yourself in a way that is respectful and is um, collegial. uh, Because again, with the conflict and the crucial conversations, you don't want to ostracize people. So yeah, we do a lot of practicing of that. And it's not so on the nose, like I'm going to teach this lesson. But I sort of sprinkle these things in as we work together to say, what would you do? What would you do if this college said no? And, you know, oh, I'm going to call and I'm going to scream at everybody. And I'm like, yeah, that won't get you anywhere. (laughs) So let's let's talk about what you could do and how you can pivot. And so I think, you know, conflict management, empathy, 
really looking at somebody's situation and being like, yeah, I've lived through something similar, not taking over their situation, but really sort of having a heart for what people are going through. There's a real absence of that. And there's a lot of social capital that you're losing because you are not able to connect with people and to make them feel heard. Yeah, these are like great skills that most people will need to be successful. And if, you know, they want to move into management or want to move ahead. And so the empathy, like you said, the communication skills, the conflict resolution skills, like working together, communicating together, coming to a resolution together, resiliency. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads. Love where you live. You said there's a really good book. What is the name of that book? It's called Crucial Conversations. Okay. They talk about there's a real strategy for thinking about how you handle conflict. And what I like about this book is basically it's saying you need to plan for these conversations. This is not something that comes off the cuff. You know, I'm going to 
fly around and, and yell at you. It's like, okay, you really need to put in the thought to save that person's feelings, but also not, not cave yourself because I don't know about you. I don't really like conflict. And I, when I was younger, I would cave. I would be like, okay, you win, whatever. I'm out of here. And now I've learned, no, you can be assertive without being unpleasant. And just the forethought of of thinking about how am I going to handle this problem so that both of us feel like, you know, both of us aren't going to agree. Never. You know, I mean, there might be something that is totally entrenched and you have a conflict, but you need to find your way out of that conflict to be productive whether it's a boss and a subordinate or a teacher and a student, you know, there are all of these things that we need to teach our children so that when they go into the workforce, that they're able to save face, but they're also able to assert themselves and stand up for themselves. Absolutely. So important, you know, learning those skills. How do I manage the situation? And a couple of those things you said, a, a conversation I had the same son with ADHD this morning, just just this morning. And I said, I'm not going to be here for you every morning to remind you to get your umbrella out of, you know, the lost and found and to remember to talk to your teacher about missing assignments. And how can you make those up? Like, you need to start remembering and doing these things for yourself. Um, because I'm not going to be your like right arm for the rest of your life right oh absolutely but you know teaching them how to have this conversation about making up work and I even said to him we talked about I said it's not acceptable to me that your grades are low because you're missing an assignment it's something else if you're struggling with the material but in that case like you're gonna have to be really proactive in that case this isn't even that like we're starting the really foundation just figure out what you need to do to get your assignments in. you know, And then when you struggle with material, we'll talk about that at that time. Yeah, right. And if you notice, like all of these things bleed into one another. So you learn one skill and actually helps you with the other skill. You know, when you are a good self-advocate, well, then you may have the confidence needed to have those crucial conversations, to have that conflict management muscle. And when you talk about time management, If you are working on the habit of planning, then that's going to work really well together. You're going to plan your time just like you have to plan your assignments and all of those good things. So I really love soft skills and I love talking about soft skills because they they interweave and, and one power can work on giving you more strength in another area. Yeah, true. They can just they feed off of each other. Oh, will you talk about helping students embrace, I love this, the power of being different. There's so many ways that so many of us are different. And especially, you know, in these middle school years, high school, like kids don't so much want to be different, but it, it is our strength. Like we're different for a reason. If we're all the same, like the world wouldn't work. We have to be different. So share with us. You know, it's funny because I just always have felt different. You know, I've always felt like I don't kind of fit in there. And so I think that I agree that difference is what makes us interesting. And when we try to blend and we try to conform, we are really suffocating our authentic self. And so when you are able to realize 
I may be the only one that likes to write, but I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to be like a rock star writer. And I'm going to own that because I love it. And eventually people are going to see that that's cool. Owning that power of yours and knowing that being that person has so many different applications. And I feel like I keep saying it over and over again, but really when you embrace who you are and embrace your talents, you know, you can apply them to so many different arenas. I know that in middle school, I mean, I wouldn't go back to middle school on a bet. I mean, it is a really tough time. And so I I get that. But when you look at differences, and I, I have a real heart for those who have learning differences. For 25 years in higher ed, I've dealt with students that have ADHD, autism, you know, name it, whatever. And what I'm thinking is those differences made them very unique. And they had, and I always call them superpowers. You know, you, you have some wonderful superpowers. I had this one student in my class that would interrupt me all the time because she, she just couldn't wait to ask questions. And instead of being furious, because it was kind of daunting and a disruption, I said to her one day, you know, I think you should be a journalist because your thirst for knowledge and your curiosity just makes me so happy. And it's amazing because I said that to her and then she kind of curbed her questions and like asked me later. It was really interesting that I acknowledged you're really good at this. And I think that this would be where you would fit in. And I think that that made her kind of, and I don't want to say conform, but maybe assimilate into the group a little bit more because, oh, I was seen and oh, I fit and this is where I belong. And I think it just calmed down that feeling of, I've got to prove myself. I've got to prove myself. So the differences are what make us special. I value the differences. I kind of seek them out sometimes. One of the first questions I ask my students is, what is something about you that others would be surprised about? And I say, now make it PG because I really don't want to hear any of it. And And so they tell me, you know, I like to work on cars. I like to do this. I like to do that. And I say, that's amazing. Let's really dig into this because I'm already thinking of their college essay. I'm already thinking about, I want to dig into something they're really passionate about and have them write about it ultimately. I love it. That's a great question. Such a great question. So I'm going to ask you this question. It's totally related to like my own situation. And it so fits in with a lot of things you were talking about and what you're doing. And I'm just really curious to hear your take on it. My oldest son is 14. He is finishing up eighth grade, going into ninth grade. Very, very bright student, straight A student, works ahead, bored in school. He's going to be homeschooled next year. Like he's in a hybrid program, two hours at school. The rest will be online or he'll start taking some college courses. And the reason is, is because he wants to be a pro tennis player. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So what's interesting about this, also, I am pretty sure he's on the spectrum. He's had a preliminary evaluation and they said, yes, it's very likely he was supposed to go in, but some of the issues we were having with him 
struggling with certain things he kind of worked his way through. So it wasn't um, encumbering him in any way in his life. Um, he's, he makes friends. He's got friends. He's, you know, he was having some issues with hygiene, just the clipping and the, that kind of stuff was just, he was struggling with that. And I was like, we well, can't have your fingernails like out to here. So we got to get you desensitized. But anyway, what's interesting about all of this is that I think that's partly what makes him a really good tennis player. Very few things challenge him. And tennis does because it's not just physical, but it's a very mental sport. Yes. They have to be able to really analyze like the ball and how it got hit and where it's going to go and how, what the spin is and how, what kind of hits going to be best and what weaknesses this opponent has. Like, I didn't know any of this. So anyway, all that being said, you know, being the parent that I am, I was like, I have to let him pursue this. Yes, absolutely. You know, he's still going to continue getting good grades continue shooting for college, all of those things, but he will probably be a college athlete most likely. Yeah. So what advice do you have for students who are pursuing that avenue of athletic scholarships or playing for a college team? You know, I think that's wonderful. And I've, I've worked with several students. I just worked with a student yesterday that wants to be a professional tennis player. And so it's, it's interesting because I really think that this is sort of the out of the box, outside of the box thinking that why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they go for their dream of being in college sports, a a top athlete? And why is it that we can't think of a way that is not the traditional route? You know, I, I love that you say that you're doing kind of a hybrid because I think that that's really important. I used to teach a pro tennis player and she had to go to tournaments and we had an attendance policy and I, I'm going to tell on myself cause I can't fire myself now. So, um, I, <laughs> I used to say whatever you need to do as long as your work gets done. But I realized that you have a very different reality than anybody else in this room. And I want you to go pursue that dream. And, you know, I might have gotten in trouble for it, but whatever. You know, the thing is, I think that these students need to live their dreams. I think that I always look at, you know, what is school life balance? If something's out of balance where they're working really hard on their sport and then their grades are suffering, you know, then then the conversation has to happen. But what is so wrong? with having a student who's doing well in school, but needs that input, needs that activity. My son is the same way. He needs physical activity and almost to the point of like exertion to be able to focus. And that resonated with me so much when you talked about how tennis was his sport. And my son was a goalie in soccer and he was tremendous because talk about laser focus. Like he, he could tune out everything else and focus on the ball. And I mean, it was, it was brilliant how he played and I don't even know how he does it. Yes. But that is one of his abilities because he's on the spectrum. Yeah. Where that difference is such a strength. Yes. Yes. And when you look at astronauts, a lot of astronauts have been found to be on the spectrum because when you have that sort of spinning sensation of going into space. Some people, not all people on the spectrum, but some people on the spectrum 
their eyes don't track like ours. And so they don't get dizzy and they don't get sick like most neurotypical people do. Oh, wow. And it's just fascinating. It's like, oh, that's a superpower. That's like a homemade superpower right there. And you're built for that. And it's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. So I just think, you know, advice to parents out there, let your kids embrace their differences, let them explore their differences. It's definitely their strength. They're, it's probably going to take them somewhere where you would have no idea. Um, and it's so amazing to see them once they really grasp onto something and run with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if if we were all the same, it would be a very dull world. I love to see these little sparks of differences and you know, different unique tendencies that students have. And I've got to tell you that there are some college campuses that will value that, that will take you in and, you know, you will just go sky high with your differences. But then there are others that are very conformist. And this is why we work so hard together to find that right college fit, because I don't want to see a student who has had that struggle in high school and middle school, go to a college that they're going to continue to struggle with that kind of mindset, but to really go to one that just will embrace that difference. Very, yeah, very important point. Very good. I wanted to make one quick point too. I told my son, we were talking about going for their dreams. I said, because I've been told by some people in the, not his coach, but by other people like, oh, this, you know, he didn't start playing until he was 12. It's too late. You know, he'll never, but he is like, he has just shot up in this sport. He's done amazing. But I said to him, like, even regardless of what happens, you need to know that you gave it your all. So whether you actually become a pro or it doesn't work out, like you don't ever want to move through life and have regrets that you didn't give it a hundred percent when you had the chance. And I said, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to hold you back from that. I want you to give it a hundred percent. So I think letting our kids take it and run with, you know, as much as we possibly can with what, you know, they are really good at. And you're, you're feeding his soul. I mean, really, you know, when, when you have a student that regrets a choice, then even I deal with a lot of transfer students where they go where they thought they were supposed to go. And, you know, that, that kind of regret not only costs you money, but it also costs the student. It's a real hit to their self-esteem. And so to not be able, kudos to you to let him realize his dream and embrace it. And there are always going to be people to say, oh, you're too old. You're too this, you're too that. And there's just always going to be those naysayers. But hopefully there's more people like us to say, just go for it take that risk and see where it goes. And then you never know who your child is going to inspire in the future with their story. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. I would love for you to tell us where people can find you to get some help and support and guidance as they guide their kids, you know, on this journey towards their college dreams or their career goals. Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. So I own EWC Consulting, and you can find us online at NCEWC. That's like North Carolina, NCEWC.com. And I also have a podcast called The Admissions Club, and it gives out free tips and tricks, but it's a fun sort of conversational show. And 
I really want to expose some of those myths that I was hearing. That's why I started my business. But we also interview people that are in higher ed. And it's just a fun, safe place to come and learn about college. Great. Everyone, you can look in the description for this episode if you want to just see it um, written out and where to go to find Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.